This episode of Star Wars Tonight is brought to you by Geek Fuel. They ship out a mystery box for geeks, gamers, and Star Wars fans alike. Get your free bonus Star Wars item with your first box when you go to geekfuel.com slash Star Wars Report. Coming up on Star Wars Tonight, we have a very special guest here to talk about all kinds of stories. Tickets, tickets, the fallouts from tickets. It was nuts. Let's talk about it right now. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, it is Star Wars Tonight, your nightly countdown to Rogue One, a Star Wars story. See, I did it. I did it right. I keep saying Star Wars Rogue One. It's a hard habit to break, but I'm working on it. Uh, man, we've got a great show, uh, show for you. Let's do it right now. So excited. So excited uh, to be back at you guys with you. Uh, it's a Tuesday night, a mere 16 Count them, 16 days until Rogue One hits theaters, and my special guest for today's podcast episode, let's not beat around the bush, let's get him on, it's Mr. Jimmy Mack from Rebel Force Radio. How's it going, Jimmy? Wow, Riley, it's so great to be here with you. Uh, The countdown is on. Rogue One is really just around the corner. We're almost in December. Yes. So So close. My goodness, my goodness. I can taste it. I'm starting to get more and more pumped up and excited, especially considering the fact that we're going into the original trilogy era, finally. We're returning for, you know, the fact that there's been now uh, four Star Wars films since the original trilogy wrapped up. We've really not gone back to that era and uh, it's going to be really cool to see that. Original Stormtroopers, Mm -hmm. Darth Vader, and now Tarkin. Now we know Tarkin yes. is in it for sure. We it's, have confirmation. It is confirmed thanks to, as we call him around here, the Bresnikin. <laughs> I feel like I need like a whiplash uh, sound effect every time. That dude is all over the place. And in fact, he's oh kind of center, center stage on a story we're going to talk about here in a second. In fact, you know what? Uh, let's just get straight to it in the news. We have something to report. Delta have the news. Data brought to us by the Botham spies. We can send a clear transmission. There it is. Listen, listen. Yeah, we still have we still have all kinds of uh, details coming in fast and furious uh, about Rogue One. I, even even daily, we can't keep up with a deluge of new stories, interviews, and like the proper press junket hasn't even begun. Everyone's still too distracted with all the shows that Carrie Fisher's doing, talking about the Harrison Ford affair. (laughs) And we haven't even properly gotten into the full uh, press tour uh, craziness for Rogue One. But I'll tell you what did just happen. We talked about it a a little bit on yesterday's program, but some of the numbers are finally coming out from that crazy uh, midnight launch of the ticket sales for Rogue One. And in fact, I'm going to launch off with a piece right here from LA Times talking about... Fandango just crashing and burning mm. that uh, there was so much consternation on ye old Twitter right about that time uh, last night. Uh, I'm curious, Jimmy, tell us all about did you did you have any ticket panics? Well, slightly, I guess. Um, I uh, knew the tickets were going on sale and uh, should have set the alarm on my phone to remind me. But. It, well, it must have been a, a tremor in the force or something, but I happened to be at my computer keyboard and all of a sudden it struck me, what time is it? I think those tickets are going on sale. And I, right when I picked up my phone to look at what time it was, it had struck 11 o'clock central, which was the exact minute tickets were going on sale. So I scrambled 
And um, I uh, did the Fandango thing, and it, it was just freezing up on me. It wasn't yeah. letting me order the tickets, and it kept it kept pushing me back to the page I was previously at. So that was getting frustrating, and I, I was freaking out because there's some new AMC theaters that were just recently built by me, just opened up, brand new IMAX, brand new with the recliners and everything. It's spanking new, brand spanking new. So um, I wanted to see the Thursday night, 7 p.m. Rogue One at that theater, that IMAX. Yep. I've never even been there before. And I tried to get tickets, but I couldn't because it was, it kept freezing up. It wouldn't let me order tickets. I jumped off Fandango, went over to the AMC website, still couldn't get anything to happen. Then I jumped back to Fandango and, and it put me in that holding cell. Ah, the queue. Just the because queue. they know that we're Star Wars fans. <laughs> so it's time for the queue. Which I appreciated because I felt like, okay, now something's being done here. We're, we're getting someplace. Did you meet any new friends in line? Uh, <laughs> no, isolated, you know, on an island by myself, uh, just wondering if. Can you imagine you know, if they any, added a chat room? Was there anyone else out there? That's what Fandango needs to do is add a chat room to that queue as everyone's like, so you yeah. like Star Wars? Kind of like have the celebration conversation while you're waiting in line. So, uh, what do you think of the new trailer? I felt so alone. I felt like Robert Duvall in THX 1138 when he's in that big, never-ending <laughs> white room and he's surrounded by nothing. That's what I felt like. So, But finally I got through and wouldn't you know it, that new AMC, the IMAX, sold out. Ah. So everyone had these, the same idea I had. So I, uh, I will go there to eventually see it. But there's another theater that I'm very fond of. It's a converted old theater where they do have those nice leather recliners. It's oh, nice. only four screens, so it's not a big megaplex. I hate the big megaplex when I feel like I'm walking to my theater. I, I feel like I'm walking down the, it's uh, more like the a convention course at O'Hare Airport. Yeah, you know? exactly. It's like, I got to take a pee. Okay, I'll be back in 20 minutes. <laughs> you know, it's ridiculous. And uh, this is a nice small theater. And like I said, it has the nice recliners. It has um, adult beverages because I want to take Wendy to this. And nice. so if, I, if we have the adult beverages, I know I'm solid gold with her. And um, and uh, sitting in my favorite seats. So, I mean, this is my favorite theater where I'm going to see it. Granted, it's not going to be the big IMAX presentation, but I don't need that. That'll give me something to look forward to. I like to go to the the uh, gimmick theaters to see Star Wars films. When TFA came out, I saw it in uh, D-Box, which is where the seats move, and it's fantastic. <laughs> it's absolutely fantastic. So um, I, I recommend that. Or like the 4D movie experience, if you have a theater near you that provides that. That's also very I'll cool. All I can all I can think of every time uh, anyone mentions 4D or 3D, I just think of that Muppets ride uh, yes. at Hollywood Studios in 3D. Boy, that's a hoot! So uh, you know, and we love going with Big Steve to that one. Oh yeah, it's always uh, whenever we go to Hollywood Studios with oh, Steve Ross, yeah. and that's a um, you know that is a. Uh, priority stop right there. Yeah, <laughs> no, absolutely. Uh, in fact, so so the LA Times piece, actually, they got a comment from Fandango, uh, and, and it said, quote, last night, Fandango saw extraordinary demand for Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Within minutes of going on sale, we sold hundreds of thousands of tickets. So I, I, I don't think this is, this is not quite Force Awakens level hype for that. I, I remember that night. Uh, in fact, we were on with Steve Glosson. He was doing something with uh, with Geek Out Loud. We were, I think it was Rebel Yell, 
and and I just happened to be on the stream, and everything just kind of halted the second tickets went on sale because we were like just killing time. Uh, and and what ended up happening is that uh, Teresa Delgado, who's also on the call at that time, her mom literally physically drove to the Alamo Draft House where we were planning to see it and got the tickets in person since all the servers were crashed. Oh, uh, wow. She's awesome. Yes. I, I love Teresa's mom. She's yeah. a fantastic lady. But for us this time, Jimmy, it, fortunately, we didn't have too much trouble. We were able to get in um, to uh, to get our, our tickets to the uh, to the IMAX 3D up at uh, the Regal at Atlantic Station. It's really it's my favorite theater in the Atlanta area. Uh, it's a really nice... Uh, spot right in Midtown, uh, and they have, and they also speak, they have a great bar too. So, uh, but also this really cool—they have the Dolby Atmos, fancy sound, and all the, all the fanciness. Now tickets are insane. Like we paid eighteen bucks a pop, but oh I figured, hey, you know, it's the first night, it's opening night, let's do it, let's make it an event. And and I will take a moment here just to tell you guys, and I'm just going to be sending out reminders every day. If you're going anywhere in Atlanta, especially if you're going to Regal Atlantic Station. The official Star Wars report slash Riley's ROTC buddies slash Bethany's college friends slash our mom slash Bruce Gibson meetup. <laughs> I think that's the official Facebook title for the meetup we did. It is happening at Meehan's Pub and uh, Public House right across the street from Regal Atlantic Station, 5 p.m. Thursday the 15th in the Atlanta area. You can go to our Facebook page. We have the event set up there. And it's, it's low-key. It's just going to be all of us hanging out, having a good time. Uh, and then going off to see Rogue One. So if you're going to that theater at all, we're going to the uh, 7 p.m. IMAX 3D screening. But if you're going at all that night, uh, meet up at Meehan's. It's a great, uh, great place. So I, I'm excited. It's it's kind of low-key. It's not... Uh, I was thinking about, like, should we try to do a big event or live show or something? like? We, we, we were debating and having these conversations, but I'm kind of happy with the the middle that we fell, to, uh, fell on. Yeah. You know, we did a big show in whoop-de-doo for the... Uh, TFA opening and there was a lot of activity leading up to how that. How was that? What's the review like? Were you happy you did it or do you feel like you wanted more time to process it? I was I was always curious how that went. Oh no, we had a blast. Nice. We had we had a ball. It was fantastic and the whole night was just amazing. But um it's a lot of heavy lifting, you know. Yeah. This time around, this is Rogue One, so it might not necessarily get the big uh, shebang that we threw last time. Because let's face it, that was the return of Star Wars. That exactly. was Welcome Back Home. So uh, we we felt like we had to do something big for that. Um, so we did it at this place, Hollywood Boulevard Cinemas, and um, they asked us to come back again this time around. But we're we're not. We're just going to see. We're going to be there opening night with our families. Um, nice. I like that. So it's 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 going to be great. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah, I like that because basically I was trying to think of – I think sometimes there's a tendency to overthink this. In fact, I, that was 100% me with The Force Awakens because that was really the my first – like big, uh, big screen Star Wars theater experience. I don't really count the screenings I've been to at previous Star Wars celebrations, and I was only just getting into the fandom around the time of Revenge of the Sith. That's how like of a baby fan I am. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, I've been podcasting for longer as a Star Wars fan than I've really been a hardcore Star Wars fan. I just that just I just realized that that's insane. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's but it's uh, I did I felt myself like. I needed time to process it. I was very overwhelmed after that first screening of The Force Awakens, but I think that that is different than than what we're going to see this time. I think we're better prepared. It's not quite like a generationally defining film. It's just, you know, the next chapter. Yes, yes. Now we're we're living in the new normal. Yeah. So I think that 
just by you know, proximity of releases alone, we've never had Star Wars films release them back to back years. Yeah. So I think a lot of us are still basking in the glow of The Force Awakens and just the general return of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And here we are. Rogue One is almost sneaking up into the, you know through the back door. Yeah. And that's that's what's what's interesting about it is because it can fit into that sleeper category where we might be completely blown away and it's a good thing because expectations then aren't through the roof and you're just walking in to be entertained and then usually when that happens and your guard is down those are those experiences that blow your socks off the most so that's what i'm uh, hoping for for rogue one for sure i've heard some things about the film itself um specifically the set pieces there are some really big set pieces that'll blow you away is what I've been told. And also look for some interesting twists and turns too. It's things might not be as straightforward as you believe going into it. I think, yeah, no, especially with the reveal of Tarkin this week, and we'll get to that here in a bit on the show, but there's so much potential uh, for this film that isn't being talked about because we're getting so much in our faces, all these TV spots, all uh, we're, we're learning about the crew. But as far as like, the actual construction project and how that comes about and what the various villains role is, particularly Orson Krennic. I think there's a lot remain to be seen uh, in that category of the film. That's where I think the big surprises come from. Either that, or they completely based the outline for the plot on the conversation Dante and Randall had in clerks about (laughs) the death star and the construction workers and all of that. (laughs) Well, maybe not. Maybe. And they were talking about I'm, the Death Star 2. Uh, so yeah. that would have to be in the, the sequel, Rogue 2. Exactly. Uh, I found them. Uh, repeat, I found them. Uh, in fact, that's the subtitle of the next one. <laughs> what if they do have a sequel to this film? Is it going to be called Rogue 1 2? I think it's going to be called Rogue, I found them. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is Rogue 2. Um, all right. Now, let's talk about this, this Obi-Wan movie. Because there's, there's some new deets. In, uh, in on these old internets circling around. This is the story that won't die. This, Obi- this Obi-Wan spinoff film that's been long rumored. And in fact, the man who's literally virtually across the, the Skype table from me right now has some firsthand uh, knowledge and reporting uh, about this very story. And so we're going to get to that right after I tell you guys about our sponsor for this episode, and that's Geek Fuel. In fact, Geek Fuel, what they are is a monthly subscription service. They ship you a mystery box with five to seven geeky items, a t-shirt, posters, and if you use the URL geekfuel.com slash Star Wars Report, they're going to send you a free bonus Star Wars item. Uh, make sure that you use that URL, geekfuel.com slash Star Wars Report. We do appreciate them supporting the show. And like I say, supporting this project, uh, which is very ambitious. We launched it early. And we're going every night all the way to Rogue One and even a few nights after. So they're supporting us all the way through. And so make sure as you're doing your Christmas shopping, you consider Geek Fuel and use that URL, geekfuel.com slash Star Wars Report. Now, Jimmy, on this week's... In fact, let me... I'm just going to pull straight to this piece that I uh, had. uh, I think it was GameSpot. Uh, Yeah, GameSpot. I was like, in an interview with... um, Hey, hang on. Let me look. Uh, Rebel... Rebel 4C Radio. Not those guys. (laughs) The Bresnikin uh, revealed that sources to him have told Lucasfilm uh, is, is have told him that Lucasfilm is planning a Kenobi uh, in the ongoing saga films, and this is straight from your show. In fact, I should have just pulled up the audio, but but he said on Rebel Force Radio, 
quote, I've heard that rumors are the one reason they haven't moved sooner on Obi-Wan is they're not done with him quite yet in the saga films. So he wouldn't be surprised, that is, to see maybe that spinoff film come after episode nine. Uh, Jimmy, tell us all about this. This was on your show. Uh, was this a surprise to you? Kind of. Um, I think, you know, you mentioned when you were setting this story up, this is a story that will not die. Yeah. The idea that there's potential for a film or series of films about Obi-Wan Kenobi in that period of time between episodes three and four, when he's in exile on the planet Tatooine, and Ewan McGregor himself has said, count me in. So fans want it. That's why the story will not die. Fans want it. And quite honestly, we want it at Rebel Force Radio. Yeah. I want it. Swank wants it. You want it, right? Everyone wants it. It would be so cool. So um, we brought it up to Anthony. And and Bresnikin, he was merely speculating, okay? He yeah. said he had heard a rumor that the reason they haven't started developing the Obi-Wan Kenobi film is because they're not done developing the character of Obi-Wan and how he will be portrayed or perceived in Star Wars episodes eight and nine in the current trilogy. And I think there's a lot of credence to that. We've definitely seen a, a connection to between the character of Obi-Wan Kenobi and the, the trial and tribulations of Rey's character as she grabs that lightsaber, you hear Obi-Wan's voice. So what, there has to be a connection there. Yeah. No, absolutely. And not just any connection. You know, the voice you specifically hear is Ewan McGregor saying, these are your first steps. These so are I, steps. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and what's funny is that there's no way, if, there, if this is a thing, that conversations haven't taken place with either Ewan McGregor or Ewan McGregor's people. He's been on the, this is just my opinion, but he's been on the circuit so many times talking about, yeah, that'd be cool. Oh, but, you know, I, who knows, who knows? You know, I'm waiting for the call, but it'd be cool, right? In fact, like earlier, um, it was just last month that he talked about this. Uh, what was that French site? Um, it's here in the piece. Oh, yeah, Premiere. It was translated, and he talked about how the fact that now that he's older, he's the right age. I'm 45. Alec Guinness was, what, 60? I could do two of them. And, of course, then the rumor mill is like, oh, there's two movies. Mm -hmm. Not one, but two Obi-Wan movies. Count them. Get your Obi-Wan movies now. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I just, I, the, they have to be planning it. Well, you have to be optimistic. I mean, if the guy is going to go out there and publicly say he would love to come back to Star Wars and do more Obi-Wan Kenobi films, at the same time, the brain trust behind Lucasfilm and Disney, Kathleen Kennedy, um, Bob Iger, and and at all, they are all uh, trying to, to map out the future of Star Wars, and they're considering all possibilities. Yeah. So you know the second that someone plants that seed the way Ewan does – then all of a sudden, there's tons of writers in Hollywood prepping treatments, prepping scripts, working on drafts, and pitching this stuff to people like Kathleen Kennedy. And she's hearing it all. She's mm -hmm. hearing it all prob probably internally more than anything else. So, obviously, Ewan McGregor, he's a big box office draw. He's a great actor, and it would be wonderful to see him do a Star Wars film. So, we started talking about how excited we could be for it, and Anthony said that um, the, the reason that they'd be putting off developing that is because of uh, the, the yet undetermined role that an Obi-Wan Kenobi could play in Episodes 8 and 9, and also... 
Uh, most notably, um, he said that uh, this is just speculation mm-hmm. and based yeah. on a rumor he said he heard. That's the most notable thing. So with a guy like Bresnikin, who's been probably the closest outside reporter to the production process of these Star Wars films since, you know, early on in in TFA, Bresnikin's been there. They've, uh, they trust him. They take him under uh, their, their wing. He's got a track record and uh, he knows his stuff. And so his reputation precedes him. So when he says something like that, it has an impact and it causes shockwaves. So, a website called Star Wars News Net picked it up and they transcribed that part of the interview. And from that point forward, the dominoes just started to fall. It was picked up by tons of genre websites, everything from uh, Cinema Blend to Slash Film to Film Tyrant to Nerdist, Collider, io9, comicbook.com. I'm actually trying to compile everything. <laughs> And put it into a, a, a post. You know, it's interesting. I'm doing coverage of our own show's <laughs> coverage. But <laughs> that's that's the tail wagging the dog, no question about it. But this is one time, one moment in time here where I'm really thankful for that good old internet echo chamber. It's really doing its job. And, you know, doing what we do, Riley, we, we rely a lot on word of mouth. Yeah. And uh, grassroots promotion like that. And so I'm I'm just very thankful and blessed that our conversation has been getting picked up by so many different people. And uh, again, I think it's a, a testament to the type of respect people have yeah. for Anthony Bresnikin. Now, you no, thought I was going to ab- say Rebel Force Radio, right? <laughs> um, no, for Anthony Bresnikin and, um, and the fact that he has a lot of integrity. Now, on the other side of the coin, too, Anthony um, did tell us last year in regards to Han Solo potentially dying in the uh, then <laughs> unreleased Force Awakens. He did say, now, come on, guys, you don't think Disney would spend all that money to buy Lucasfilm and just to kill off its one of its most beloved characters in its first film out of the box. And so that gave us a moment of pause. But I think Anthony was throwing us a curveball. And I kind of think he did something oh. very similar in our conversation with him when we brought up Tarkin in Rogue One, and he immediately turned the corner and said, well, he, he presented a case where we may see a CGI young Carrie Fisher, Princess Leia. And so I think that was kind of a little diversionary move on his part, too. <laughs> he went left when we thought he was going to go right, and we dropped the Tarkin question. And then here you go. You see that early this week. <laughs> He's right. That's what I call the Dave Filoni school of journalism. <laughs> you know, yeah. So uh, yeah, I think Anthony knew that that Tarkin trailer was going to drop yep. and uh, he had, he had his, his article already written when we were talking <laughs> to him last week. There and so, many- uh, so, you know, it's, it's all fun. And, and sometimes, yeah. you know, a little smoke screen is in the truest tradition of George Lucas. So I, yeah, I, yeah. I think that's great, you know, as opposed to tweets that come from, you know, Lucasfilm executives that's, you know, like Pablo who say, nope, wrong, nope. <laughs> I mean, that's like Killjoy stuff. And it, it's painful as a fan to be, you know, essentially slapped on the wrist for, you know, for speculating. As that, much, but. because as much as rampant speculation has literally become its own industry in the blogosphere of like this theory and that theory. And, and I, there is a certain amount of fatigue on that. And I certainly understand it, but I, I will say this. I'd far rather have that 
than the uh, era where everything has to be shot down because you know it's it's it is it can get way out of hand. Some of it's absolutely just made up, and in the worst cases, just made up for clicks and that sort of thing. Yes, it's all it can be a problem, but you know what? I say speculate your heart away. It's fun to do. And, uh, and, and, and just go for it. And, and dude, Jimmy, th- there's so many stories. Like I, we, um, so we were lucky. We were at uh, celebration Europe. <laughs> we were at celebration Europe at the, uh, at the big, um, rebels screening. And, um, was it the rebels? No, no, this was the, uh, uh, the rogue one panel. Cause, uh, we, we were definitely just kind of, it, it was, there was, I don't know. There were a lot of press seats, but they were really strict about like what sites. It was like they were. It was very unfortunate. There were very few fan sites. It was almost all just kind of mainstream press that they were letting in, like legitimate journalists, like Anthony Bresnikin, who were going in there. We just kind of found our way into that uh, area anyway. Those so. guys. Those guys ruin everything. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but but, <laughs> but we were sitting. Literally, Bethany and I were sitting there, and during this panel. You would you would think like there was some kind it was like a Star Trek level uh, theater of journalism where he is typing just like a madman and, and like and like this some advanced technology where editors and pictures are being taken and uploaded and by five yes. different reporters all in the same pieces it's like this this hub of this hive of journalists and then of course like during the panel before it's even 20 minutes in the entertainment weekly center stage piece that just is perfectly done and I'm like why do I even try <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the dude is awesome. He was, we were lucky enough to have him on, on, on the show when we did, when we were at celebration Europe, when he was kind of just starting in on the, uh, coverage of rogue one. And he talked about that process because the dude, it's not like he has a silver spoon. Like he was on, uh, the show we did at, at celebration Europe, uh, at the podcast stage there. And, and he said it explicitly, like, this is tough to get these kinds of sources and stuff. This is tough. It's not just like Lucasfilm's calling him up to give him the exclusives every time. Uh, and, and it's a different set of production with Force Awakens than it is for Rogue One. So the whole process is kind of a new thing. But, you know, that's what I love about this stuff because I just appreciate the fact that we live in this era where any of the conversation that we've been having for the past 20 minutes is even possible. Like, that still to me is, is just insanely amazing. I'm still just blown away by the technology behind the turd emoji. <laughs> so, just... fair point. And then right before we depart this this uh, this story, I, I did want to. There was one thing that I thought of a few minutes ago when you when you were talking, Jimmy, about particularly the idea of Ewan McGregor's current contributions already to the the new era in Star Wars with that one line that he briefly recorded. And he's kind of poked fun at it a little bit on Graham Norton and some other shows, like yeah, yeah, Kiss came in the one line and that was it. But you know what? I, I have a theory. I'm going to posit my own theory. Come at me, Pablo. Uh, <laughs> and that is, <laughs> wait, smash cut an hour later, podcast release, tweet is tweeted, and then it's shut down. But for now, I'm going to live <laughs> in the bliss. I'm going to live in the bliss and just say, I think that I certainly trust and fully believe in J.J. Abrams' understanding of mythology and of a sort of a certain poetry of film that's right out of Steven Spielberg's, uh, Spielberg's playbook. And when the one line that Obi-Wan utters is, these are your first steps, at the very end of that force-back sequence, what's the last scene of the movie? Ray taking the Jedi steps. And there's a certain level of connection and poetry between that line and the ending of the movie that makes me think that can't be coincidence. So if there's a possibility of Obi-Wan showing up in, in some kind of force ghost form in the future films, it's perfectly set up. 
Well, maybe, maybe old Ben was just being kind of rascally and he was just, that was a joke to him, you know? <laughs> oh, that she's going to have to jug up that whole thing <laughs> all the way to the top of the island. This is going to be hilarious. And so he just, you know, that's a little joke. That's a little Jedi joke. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, no, you know what? I mean, also, it, it could be uh, the thin line between life and art. It could be, hey, Ewan, these are your first steps, pal, because there's a Kenobi trilogy in your future, mm -hmm. and you're going to take center stage in that bad boy. There's not going to be any other Liam Neeson or, or uh, Hayden Christensen stealing your screen time. <laughs> oh, it's going to be all you it's by you. yourself in the desert. Center stage. Uh, I'd, I'd be so, I'd be all over that. All right. Grand Moff Tarkin, it's official. Uh, this is going to be our last story for the podcast. And I really, I, I couldn't skip over it because we're a little short on time, but I do want to touch on this because there's a couple mild catalyst spoilers. I've not listened to it. I'm, I'm terrible, Jimmy. I'm 100% up front. I, I just have so little time that I, 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 I love podcast. There's so many podcasts that I love and I'm always listening to that I'm limited with like two audiobooks a year. And maybe one of them will be a Star Wars book. So I'm always constantly behind uh, Star Wars books. Like I'll, and, in, and it's terrible. Like I'll start the first chapter and then I get bored and I stop. And that's so, but I finally got sucked into Lost Stars. I'm in the third chapter, but I'm not in the middle of Catalyst. But there are some new details uh, from Catalyst that lend some additional perspective to the official reveal that Grand Moff Tarkin is indeed going to be in Rogue One. Somebody call Stephen Stanton because... Actually, I'm, you know what? I'm, I'm willing to bet somebody's already called Stephen Stanton, if I had to guess. If I were, well, if I were well, betting you know, me. He's got a great reputation over at Disney and Lucasfilm. His yeah. voice matching of Tarkin has just been mm. eerie and absolutely uh, indistinguishable from the original. It's, it's really interesting. When he first started doing the voice of Tarkin in The Clone Wars, he was really going for a younger Peter Cushing sound. He was being that authentic. And he would look at things like Cushing's appearances in the old Sherlock Holmes films and base it on that. Yeah. And now that he's doing Rebels, he's really gotten dead on to a New Hope era Tarkin. The, the Peter Cushing Tarkin. The mm -hmm. one the one and only Peter Cushing Tarkin. And he has gotten just so deadly accurate with that voice that I know that they'd have to be tapping oh, sure. into that talent to Wasn't... bring him over and have him voice a CG version of Tarkin. I, it's just a mm. no-brainer. Oh, absolutely. Wasn't there an early rumor about like them doing some sort of complex reconstruction, like some kind of brand new technology to reconstruct Tarkin as a character? Yeah, we, we had heard something along the lines of the most complex CG character ever created. Mm. Oh, I mean, that would mean a lot. I mean, nowadays, CG characters, you can't even tell the difference between yeah. real life and, and what's animation. But, I mean, just look at Maz Kanata. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so true. That's so true. Well, we'll, we'll we will see in the film. But um, as far as Catalyst goes, again, there's mild spoilers for the book. Nothing really central in the plot, though. Uh, this is a piece I pulled from IO9, uh, and and basically, this is this is the situation in Catalyst, and that is uh, Will of Tarkin and Orson Krennic. They hate each other, right? They're big rivals. And, uh, and, and basically, in theory, they're both Imperial officers. Again, this is straight from the piece, working for the glory of the Empire, but they have to be subtle. As they, as they, since they kind of evidently want to uh, murder each other. But here's the really interesting thing about the way the book is kind of constructing the difference. And I think this is, this is a story I would, you know, 
five years ago, I would never look to a new release of a Star Wars book to point to a possible direction for a film. But I think the way things are now, especially with Story Group, especially now that everything's canon, this does merit some attention. Essentially, Krennic, Orson Krennic is from like a more poor working class family. He's an engineer uh, and can't rise uh, through the military ranks. Again, going back to the Ionine piece. Uh, exactly the opposite of the sort of statesman a uh, wealthy jerk that is Tarkin, who basically has every bit of confidence uh, in himself, and there's no one who can say no to him, not even Vader, by the time we get to New Hope. So that dynamic itself sets up a really cool potential for the film. Do you think this is a reach, uh, Jimmy, or do you think that this is a potential to have a maybe really cool contrast as these two men kind of fight for control of the project of the uh, Death Star construction? Yeah, I, I think we'll see exactly how Tarkin gets placed in full control of the Death Star. Yeah. And uh, as you say, Krennic is something of an engineer, and he comes from that background, more of a working class type of guy as opposed to the aristocrat that Tarkin is. So perhaps Krennic is always you know, he, he knows he's just keeping that seat warm. When they complete the Death Star, Tarkin's going to move in and take over. And that makes sense to me. So then there would be a bit of a rivalry between the two of them because it's the uh, old guard and the new guard. And, um, and you know how the Empire goes. They're all just trying to work their way up in favor of the Emperor himself. And Tarkin has that favor. Krennic may not. And, um, and so I think we'll see Tarkin not only get placed in charge of the Death Star, but also you'll see him being placed in control of Darth Vader, who he will then sick on Krennic when Krennic mm. fails, and Krennic's major failure will be the loss of the Death Star plans. So he'll have to answer to that, and he's going to answer to Vader. It's You know what? I, and if there's one way we can describe this kind of power that Tarkin very may well... No, 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 no. You're saying it wrong. Power! Ah, and, and and that power will be that power. There you thank will, you. Thank will you. be immeasurable. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Oh man. Uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, on that note, we're going to bring this episode of Star Wars Tonight to a close. What a jam-packed show, Jimmy! Thanks so much for coming on, man. Thank you, Riley. Dude, tell, tell folks all about Rebel Force Radio and where they can find you online and what they can look forward to coming up soon. RebelForceRadio.com is the place to find us. iTunes. Uh, we're pretty much wherever you found this show, just look for Rebel Force Radio. We're probably the next podcast that you'll scroll by. So uh, in, uh, listen to Rebel Force Radio. And uh, what we have coming up, uh, some uh, amazing Rogue One coverage that... Uh, I'm uh, hesitant to reveal at this moment in time, but uh, I guarantee you it's going to be pretty mm. freaking cool. Oh, can't wait. Can't wait. Make sure you stay tuned in. And again, uh, catch this week's episode uh, as you're listening to it. It's the most recent episode in the feed as you're listening to this right now. So make sure you check that out to get that full Anthony Bresnikan interview. Jimmy, it's always a pleasure to have you on. Uh, and serious thanks to everyone who's also supporting this program on Patreon. Uh, make sure you go uh, jump on board. Patreon.com slash Star Wars Report. Help support this nightly live podcasting as well as catch the Friday edition. That's right. We go five days a week. And if you want to catch that Friday episode, make sure that you uh, pledge at Star Wars 
uh, at patreon.com slash Star Wars Report. And a big thank you also to our sponsor for today's episode, Geek Fuel. Again, make sure you check them out over at geekfuel.com slash Star Wars Report. I think that takes care of all of the plugs for today. Make sure you follow Jimmy. He's on Twitter at Jimmy Mac Radio. And of course, I'm as well hanging out at The Riley Guy on everything. Almost. I'm not on Google Plus. Sorry. There's nobody on Google Plus. It's, <laughs> it's dead. Give up, guys. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, we are on Google Play, though. So <laughs> there you go. Um, and so, folks, with that, uh, on that note, may the force be with you. Star Wars tonight. Remember, the opinions expressed in this podcast are not those of Rebel Force Radio or Star Wars Report or Star Wars Tonight. And remember, there's only one kind of power that we seek here, and that is immeasurable. That's right. got a midi version of uh the java flow that's oh. really interesting <laughs> no that's that's our that's our little bit man like i i don't know why 